Welcome to House Warming, a podcast about climate policy and solutions in Chicago, Illinois, and beyond. I'm Sarah. This episode is sponsored by Collective Resource Compost, a company working to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by diverting food scraps from landfills and hauling them to a commercial composting facility. Learn more about Chicago area pickup services at collectiveresource.us. Many residential streets across Chicago are shaded by large old trees. You probably don't think about them much, right? They provide shade on hot summer days, turn glorious shades of red, orange, and yellow as fall sets in, and they look spectacular covered in fresh snowfall at this time of year. But did you know that this citywide network of mature trees plays an important role in climate change mitigation? Our trees reduce pollution entering our waterways by absorbing and slowing stormwater runoff. They reduce heating and cooling costs across the city by providing shade and emitting moisture into the air. They can reduce the severity of heat waves in the summertime by up to 20 degrees. And obviously, trees remove carbon dioxide from the air. Our beautiful urban tree canopy is pretty great. Unfortunately, mature trees in Chicago are often cut down without advance warning when work on water mains needs to be done. 40th Ward Alderperson Andre Vasquez experienced this firsthand during his first weeks in office when constituents living along one block in Andersonville flooded his office with calls one morning because every single tree on their block had been cut down because of water main work. He's on the podcast today, talking with us about the Save the Trees ordinance he introduced in council shortly afterward, in an effort to change the way sewer work is done across the city. This conversation has been lightly edited for length and clarity. All right. Uh, Well, thank you for joining us, Alderman. We are uh, very excited that you're here. Uh, Thank you for having me. I gave away part of the answer to this first question, which is, can you introduce yourself, what you do, the focus that you have in office, uh, and obviously your name? Uh, Yeah, my name is Andre Vasquez. I'm the alderman of the 40th Ward. Um, Just got elected April 2nd, uh, and I'm currently also running for Democratic Committee person. Nice little uh, slide in there. (laughs) I do what I can. (laughs) Yep, yep. (laughs) Congratulations on getting elected again. Um, that's exciting. Thank you. I actually rode here in an Uber with one of your constituents, <laughs> and he was really? really excited about you uh, about you getting elected and defeating the former alderman. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's actually not the first Uber story I've had. I've had a couple people where they're like, "Yeah, our Uber driver lives in your ward." Like, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. Yeah, he was like, "Oh yeah, I voted for him. I was really excited about this." So Aww. hopefully he'll listen yeah, to this. Really cool. Hi Ted, if you're listening. so we saw that you introduced the save the trees uh legislation yeah what guidelines does the city currently have to protect trees i assume you guys did a bunch of research about that beforehand how do we currently protect trees in chicago yes what specifically was going on with that bill is that when the water department wanted to replace water mains um what they would identify is if they thought a tree was too close to the work and it would damage the tree that they need to cut the tree proactively. Um, What we did in our legislation is advocate for an alternative, that there's um, technology out there that would help people avoid having to cut the trees down. So what it led to is there's gonna be uh, two pilot programs trialing uh, this new technology, which is uh, called CIPP. And that is basically like, not adhesive, but what you can do is you can cover the pipe rather than having to cut it and take it out, which would be more intrusive to the trees. So, uh, we're going to see going forward what we learned from it. How safe is it? Are we able to implement it so that we don't have trees uh, getting cut? But at minimum, what we're doing is making sure we have better communication from the Department of Water Management about it. Are these lead pipes right now? Uh, some of them are. So some of the, those pipes still have to get replaced because we're talking stuff, uh, pipes that are like 
80 to 100 years old. So like the, the lead pipe replacement is actually a larger issue that the city, city has yet to tackle. So would this pilot program prevent lead pipes from being replaced? Uh, no, what it would do is, is ultimately if it's a lead pipe, it, it's gonna have to get replaced. We have to figure out how that's gonna get done first just because of the cost of trying to replace all of them. So we're, we're advocating at city council trying to figure out how we can solve that problem. But as it pertains to where CIPP is getting added, it would be only in situations where it would make sense to use it, not as like a replacement for replacing the lead pipes. Okay, how, how did this issue come to your attention? Yeah, so uh, I think within like our first month or two in office, um, I woke up on a Saturday morning to like a lot of calls coming in, all from the 5900 block of Hermitage, where they cut down about 14 trees on that block. And so, um, you know, people were, I had to go out there and check it out myself. It looked like they were cutting a rainforest down. And I, when I reached out to the Department of Water Management, um, what had occurred is that my predecessor had already known that was coming and we never got any communication at all. So it just came out of nowhere. And I mean, there were neighbors crying, um, really obviously upset as anybody would be. So once they reached out to us, we just knew we had to do something uh, not just immediately, but also legislatively to, to make sure we don't have those kind of issues going forward. This ordinance was introduced in July and then it was paused, right? Yeah, well, what happened was we introduced it and started talking to all the different stakeholders, started getting more attention around it. Um, so what actually occurred is because we put the legislation in, it didn't ultimately pass. The mayor was getting pressure about it. So they reached out, her office reached out to us and she implemented through executive order, the pilot. So basically, rather than going through the process of going through a committee, getting the votes to get it to the finish line, the mayor saw that there was an issue there and said, you know what, clearly there's a lot of people behind it. We had about, I believe 33 co-sponsors to that bill. And she just knew through executive order, she could move forward on it. So that's why the process took a little, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say it took longer. A lot of the bills take different amounts of time to get uh, finished. Have you recognized or received any support for this when it comes to neighborhoods that are uh, less canopied? Uh, well, I think I got, I got lucky because it was the first piece of legislation I'd introduced. So I think a lot of people were like, yeah, kid, I'll sign it, you know? Um, so we ended up getting like the 33 out of 50 that were behind it. Some of them because they experienced it themselves, others because they, they recognize when a colleague has a concern and if we can articulate our case, like they'll go, that makes sense. So whether, you know, a lot of it is really on its merits and being able to argue why something's important that can help get people who may not be experiencing it directly. So what's the impact as far as the city government works of her doing an executive order instead of legislation? Is this something she could just roll back if she wanted to? Well, so because it's through an executive order and specifically about these pilots, I, what we have to do is just stay vigilant. So as the pilots are being conducted, we want reporting. We want to know which contractors are the ones that are, that are doing the pilot. Um, what are the results? How long is it going to take? Because I've got, I'm always going to have the concern that if you do something and you're not staying on top of it, that ultimately it doesn't get completed, right? So we just know on our end that as we get more responses from Department of Water Management, um, we're going to continue to push to get that completed. But it is something that is a legal commitment because it is an executive order.
when the pilot is over, are you going to renew the ordinance? It, it'll be two things. We'll have a, a communication with the administration about how they plan on implementing it. If ultimately they don't have answers that are sufficient, then yes, we go back to legislation and make sure it's written in uh, the municipal code. So I know that currently, uh, because of the lead, the phosphorus is pumped through the pipes to prevent the lead from leaching into the water. How is the technology with this pilot program different from the current program? The technology that we're talking to CIPP is almost specifically for this problem. So what it does is if you've got um, pipe where there could be like some degradation, what it would do is actually coat the inside so that it would protect any foreign debris or, or lead to come loose in there. Um, what we have to make sure of is when you're using any kind of chemical to coat anything, that we're not inadvertently um, having different particles or, or different chemicals that are going into the water. So right now, one of the trials is for um, the sewage, right? The water that's going out, so you're not intaking that. Um, the other one is to figure out like a main water as opposed to what directly goes into a house. So that's, that's the reason we're doing the pipe studies on it right now. So as far as the difference between the current model and like what we're gonna implement, um, I think we're just trying to be extra careful on how it's done to account for safety measures for people at home. Do you know what chemical is currently planned to be used for this? Uh, there's different technology and different adhesives. So um, that, what I've got to do, I can send you like the details on that one because it definitely varies. Like there's different companies that do it. So that's why what we want to do in the pilot is really identify what is the method that we're going to use for the city. Have we, have we vetted it completely before we actually move forward with using something? Without knowing exactly which chemical we're talking about, what do you know about whether or not there would be fumes from, from this process? Um, in the process, there's definitely, because I remember when we were talking through it, there's different ways to, to actually implement it. And one of them is one that would have kind of fumes associated with it. So that's something else we have to account for because it's not only how the pipes are taken care of, but the process itself. So there are ways where it can be done with the fumes um, when you're activating it and there's some without. So we, we have like, for us to be able to know exactly what we're doing, we're waiting on the findings and all of it. So you said that you'd be using sewer pipes first as, as a demo. Um, and mm -hmm. we all know that that eventually flows to the Chicago River. Um, yeah. So are we, is, the, is there gonna be an environmental study about or has there been an environmental study about the different chemical options? Well, so that, that's part of what the pilot's gonna be. Some of it's already been used in other cities and other states, right? So there's, there's um, a track record of it working other places. As it pertains to water going into the river or, or even the lake, um, the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District is charged with making sure that that water is then clean when it's used back into the system, right? So I think uh, any water that's leaving a place right, it has gonna, is gonna have contaminants in it. Part of the water reclamation um, district's job is making sure that that stuff gets cleaned out before it's being used again by uh, any of the neighbors. What about preserving trees for other projects? There were several trees taken down along the river in your ward, and yeah. you supported that. How do you know well, so it's necessary to remove mature trees and, um, and when they should be preserved? Yeah, so specifically for that one, uh, it wasn't, here's what's funny, it was the issue wasn't that they cut the trees because that had already been determined 
they were going to, they're actually restoring the riverbank and bringing in more trees. Although it can be argued, right? You've got older trees that are being cut, which is completely fair, but it was already part of a project. The, the big problem was they, the last time they had a community meeting about it was two years ago. So no one knew or not no one, but most people didn't know when it was going to occur. And once again, without the communication to the neighbors, one day they wake up and it's getting cut. So what we did is we reached out to the Army Corps of Engineers, um, as well as like the Friends of the Riverbank, um, and brought them into our office to go, look, what's the plan here? How do we communicate it to neighbors? And going forward, how do we just make sure that everyone knows what's going on so we don't have any surprises and we understand like what steps uh, happen in the process. So they committed to doing a community meeting to explain all of this. So we'll be having a date confirmed uh, soon to relate to the neighbors. So what happens to trees when they're cut down in Chicago? Uh, it depends. Like if it's the Bureau of Forestry, um, we have a Bureau of Forestry, um, I, I don't want to say office because it doesn't make sense, but it's like a, a piece of land in the 40th Ward where ultimately all that wood comes um, and it's either, actually most of it just gets cut down and shaped and turned into mulch, which then gets used um, for other projects or if neighbors want them, we can find a way to get them to access it as well. I assume that there are studies being done of the tree cover in Chicago. Are you familiar with how cutting down the trees to fix the pipes would impact tree cover in your ward? Um, yeah, as far as how it would directly impact it, it's hard to tell because you'd have to figure out the scale of how often things get cut, right? More often than not, we do a lot of tree trimming that occurs or if there's dead trees, they get cut. But as far as like overall, like um, the amount of canopy every ward has, I know Alderman Martin in the 47th Ward has uh, been leading like an environmental council and they looked and I think the 40th Ward is the only ward that beats them when it comes to canopy. So I think we have, um, we have good cover, um, but the issue is when you're not letting us know when things are getting cut or why, automatically the alarms are going to go off as they should because we need to know what's going on. So fortunately, the communication has been getting better. I, you know, initially I was, I was concerned that people were just not communicating with the newly elected folks, but we've made it pretty clear to everyone that they've got to let us know what's going on or else we'll continue to escalate it. Okay. Um, how does this play into the climate emergency resolution that was just passed? Introduced. It was just, right, just introduced. And, um, and how would you like to work on or would you like to, to work on the issue of trees uh, as part of the climate change approach? Um, so I, I think what I try to do is make sure that we're building in our ward kind of the, the bodies with which neighbors can let us know what issues they want to raise up. So we've actually been developing a legislative team made up of volunteers. So a lot of the things that we think about when it comes to the environment and climate change come directly from the neighbors. Um, some of it was there was recent legislation about the one use uh, single use plastics and trying to make sure that the city is not moving forward with those that we're banning styrofoam. So I, I think some of it, there are a lot of things that I try to keep focus on, but most often if either my colleagues are leading on it, I look to see how I can assist or if we have neighbors that are really raising up an issue, we're looking at how to develop legislation to help that move forward. So like we met, I think last week with, um, it's the Illinois Environment Council 
to kind of figure out where else we can work. Like I, I'm very interested in figuring out our recycling. Um, like currently there's a, a vendor called Waste Management that takes care of our recycling, but they also take care of our garbage and have a landfill. So they have a, a monetary interest in doing either or. And the path of least resistance is most likely doing the landfill. So it leads to like less than 8% of our stuff getting recycled. So there's things like that that I like to look at because um, I look at what organizations are responsible and how we can fix that. What can Chicago residents do? What can your constituents do if they're concerned about trees coming down in their neighborhood? Well, I mean, you know, some, some of what they're doing now is like the second they see a sign up uh, about like potentially cutting or the parking, you know, clear way for something, they start reaching out to our office immediately so we can talk to the Department of Water Management. Um, what we want to make sure of is that when they are getting cut, we have a reason from them that makes sense. Like we, what we don't want is people arbitrarily just cutting them and not letting us know why. Like we had somewhere neighbors call us, we go back to Department of Water Management, they let us know that the tree's actually been a dead tree, so it needs to get cut. Um, what we want to make sure is that there's that level of accountability in place. So what we ask neighbors is, in any situations where there's a concern, to reach out to our office directly. Okay, is there something that folks in other wards can do who don't have the honor of having you as an alderman to <laughs> sort of issue? And is there a way to know before the signs go up that this is happening? So, if, okay, if they're in another ward, I mean, I'd still say you got to reach out to a city council member if they're not being responsive. Um, oh, I'm, 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 I'm trying to be cautious because I could say, you know what, they can reach out to us. However, like if the whole city starts reaching out to, out to us about trees that we can't directly affect, that causes a larger problem. As far as finding out when this stuff is occurring, we don't really get a lot of it because some of it, it's marked like months in advance, right? So we don't get it exactly when it's determined. And since we don't get the heads up as soon as it's occurring, we'll miss out on that gap. That's part of the issue of like how government tends to move slow on some things and uh, um, some of the consequence of it. So it really is about being responsive. We've, we're also though developing a program called the Precinct Partners. So in that neighbors who want, who are, feel like they wanna be more invested in the community can let us know what's going on specifically in our neighborhood and like do spot checks and keep us up to date. So we're, we're just working really hard to make sure that we get as much information as possible from as many sources as we can. I just want to circle back to the lead pipes for a minute. Um, yeah. Are you supportive of some kind of measure to remove lead pipes in Chicago? Yeah, we have to absolutely replace it, right? When you, when we've seen, um, neighboring states, Indiana, um, I believe, I believe Wisconsin, because I remember we were doing the research when we, when we uh, put together the bill. They, they recognized how important it is, and over 10 years, they replaced them, because what they did is they, um, like, the, the government took ownership of those pipes and said, yep, that's up to us, it's important, and figured out how to, how to do it. I think, we, you know, we brought this up to the mayor, um, and she recognizes how uh, grave an issue it is. I think the challenge that she's trying to figure out is how to actually pay for all of the replacement. And, uh, you know, we think it's a worthwhile investment. We think it makes perfect sense. I think her facing the budget deficit that she has um, is still trying to wrap her head around how to actually get that accomplished. Okay. And when we have this conversation, are we talking about both service lines and main lines or just main lines? Uh, I, when I'm talking about it, I think it needs to be all of it. 
anything that goes, especially anything that's going to lead to the water that people drink needs to be replaced. And, and so um, I, I don't think that they, you can like incrementally or half measure do this. I think that the goal is to get it completely replaced. Um, I'm still learning on where we would find the funding, like how, how we figure out the cost of it, which we had, I forget the exact numbers on it, but it was something that appeared challenging from the mayor's office. So what we can continue to do is continue to push in that direction and figure out what other options we have. Um, I don't believe it's actually come up to a committee hearing yet. That would go through the committee uh, on the environment, which is uh, chaired by George Cardenas. There was an idea floating around a while ago about, see, I took a left turn here and changed the topic on you. Um, there was, so there was a, a possibility of um, something being put on the ballot for people to vote on in order to fund replacing the service lines. And that was a, a tax on, I think, real estate transactions, but it didn't make it to the ballot. Is that something you think you could support? Or you well, here's the part that's challenging with the real estate transfer tax. So we were trying to move it and get it done uh, during the budget vote. The issue that was challenging is the people who had actually raised up the real estate transfer tax as a form of revenue were the homelessness advocates who basically got people to commit to say, hey, if we're going to do this thing because you're the ones who brought it to us, you know, uh, it was like 100% supposed to go to homelessness. And what ultimately occurred is there was no agreement on where those funds would go because the mayor saw the deficit she was trying to fill. And so when we went to Springfield to try to get the real estate transfer tax passed, um, it was blocked. So I, I would be open to figuring it out where the funding could come from. Right now, I think the challenge is actually trying to get it passed through the state at all. And then the mayor's going to want to figure out where she wants those funds to go. Um, it, it, I'd say it's messy, but it's something that we're trying to, first we got to figure out that we, if we can get the funds before we can figure out where to allocate. So I was just reviewing uh, the other day, all the legislation that was passed in 2019. And there was uh, a bill that was about in Illinois, uh, there was a bill that was about the state revolving fund that is supports water infrastructure. So not how to telling you how to do your job. But, but is that state is that state law or city? It's state law. So there should be more funding available through the state. Okay. So then what I'd have to do, if you could send me that, because what I'd have to do then is talk to our state legislators to figure out if this got passed, how is it implemented? Is it part of the capital spending bill? Where is that being appropriated? If, is it floating somewhere where nobody's like making sure it's directed? Um, so we'd have to figure out all that information and, and uh, I'm happy to start looking into it if you send it over. Alderman on the job. I like it. Um, so are there any other things uh, related to climate policy or the environment that you'd like to toot your horn about? Well, I mean, I, I think I'm still rookie enough that I don't know how many things I can toot, right? But uh, I, I think something that I want to look at is the, and these are things that we're trying to talk to more to, to like the climate climate groups that are already doing the work, right? Like Sierra Club is like, how do you make it so people are incentivized to really have solar panels put up, and it's not like this cost prohibitive measure where people just like kind of don't jump towards it. Um, and how do we look at our energy grid? I think one thing that it may not be directly climate, but to me, it's something that needs to be done. Is I think that our governments use way too much paper. 
like everything's a printout every bill has like you know 12 copies it gets spread out through the council and it's really very like i i call it like 1980s when you think about how the offices are run when everything can be digital to the point that we're not wasting as much and i think that that to me is interesting because it's not only a climate thing it's not a, a only a conservatory thing but it's also just like smart business it's also saving us more revenue over the long run if we figure out how to actually digitize all this stuff and you know i worked for at&t for about 12 years where at&t is really good on that that i think the, the government could actually like get up to date with some companies as far as getting that done tell us the truth do they still use those printers that print with those things that you tear off with the circles in them uh no do you like the old school like <laughs> no fortunately we're a little updated there right it's, but it's still like it looks like the SNL copy guy stuff. Like there's still that kind of vibe. So. Okay, great. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if yes, thank you. We would love to have you back on the pod in the future, if you're willing. Oh, absolutely. And like, if anyone, ha yeah, I'm absolutely willing. <laughs> if anyone uh, has any ideas or wants to reach out to our office, they can always email us at info at 40thward.org. So if, if people have ideas or things they want to draft or like groups, um, definitely reach out to us. Um, if we're not the ones that are directly leading on some of this stuff, we can connect you to the city council members that are. Well, don't worry. We're going to name the episode. If someone's cutting your trees down, call Alderman Andre. Thanks. Good looking out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We look forward to talking to you soon. Definitely. Same here. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Housewarming. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. You can send suggestions for topics to housewarmingpod at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at housewarmingpod. Housewarming Podcast was produced and created by Annie Metz and Abby Wilson and is co-hosted by Annie Metz and me, Sarah Berg. We'd like to thank our sound editor, Alana Martyr Epstein, and our graphic designer, Reagan Carey, for everything they've done to make this podcast a reality. And thanks to Alderperson Andre Vasquez for speaking with us today. This episode was sponsored by Collective Resource Compost, a Chicago-based company making home and business composting easy. Find them online at collectiveresource.us or on Instagram and Facebook at, at Collective Resource. Remember to subscribe and rate us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear the latest episodes when they're released. Follow the pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HousewarmingPod. If you like the work we're doing, you can also become a supporter on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash housewarmingpod. Thanks for listening. <laughs>